Hello, Rock Church. I wanted to take the time to share with you a powerful verse found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. The Bible says, It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Let us therefore not become entangled again with chains of slavery. And you know, before we put our faith in Christ, we may be familiar with what those chains look like. We may say, well, that's addiction, that's being given over to our anger, that's lust, and, and that is shame and guilt and condemnation. But what I found in, is that those chains manifest as well within the church. As we give our lives to Christ, those chains are there to tempt us as well, and they manifest very differently. We can become critical of ourselves. We can become critical of others. We can base our salvation on our works as opposed to what Jesus has done for us. And we can, uh, you know, there's uh, tons of different things that entice us to live differently than what the Bible intends for us to live. What does the Bible intend? Freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So the series that we're going to dive into, entitled Free to Live, will focus on guarding the freedom that God has given us and living in it. I can't wait to see what God's going to do throughout this series. I can't wait to share this with you. Awesome. Freedom to live. And that's basically the theme of the book of Galatians. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The book of Galatians. And so I got the, the honor to go over the first chapter of the book. So we're, each week we're going to do one chapter. And I get to open up the series. So I, I want to give you just a quick background of, of what are we even talking about here. Who's the Apostle Paul? Who are the Galatians? So you have some context. Okay, wh- who this letter was written to and who wrote the letter. So really quickly, the Apostle Paul. Probably most of you know who he is, but maybe you don't. Maybe you don't know his story. So the Apostle Paul was actually started off as a young man named Saul. I don't know why he changed his name. I don't know all that whole thing. But he started out as a young man named Saul, and he was a Pharisee. So he was a very religious guy, and he was uh, studying under one of the chief Pharisees of the time named Gamaliel. And uh, he was just very um, religious, very fervent, very zealous for the things of the Lord in Judaism. And uh, he boasts about that in a lot of his letters, how he was just like, you know, he was trying to follow God with all of his heart. Yet at the same time, if you remember the story of Stephen, the first martyr of the church, who was, uh, he was stoned. Remember that story of Stephen? So Saul was actually a young man, and he was there at that time, and he held all the garments of those who were stoning Stephen. And the Bible says that he looked upon that scene approvingly. In other words, he's like, yeah, this guy's getting what he deserves. He thought actually that Stephen was blaspheming God by believing in Jesus and preaching the gospel of Jesus. Man, wow, that's like Antichrist, right? That's like the spirit of Antichrist. Isn't that crazy? Here was a man who thought he was doing God's will and actually he was doing the devil's will. Wow, so he was standing there while Stephen was being stoned, and Stephen lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he prayed a prayer. He prayed basically the same prayer Jesus prayed on the cross, and he said, Lord, forgive these people. They don't really know what they're doing. So here were his murderers killing him at that moment, and he prayed this prayer of forgiveness and redemption. And if you think about it, that prayer for Paul, was the first step in the right direction. That was like the catalyst of Paul's ministry. Someone was praying for him, even as he was 
being condemning to this person. Wow, that's the power of prayer. Prayer changes things. So then we know the story. Paul decided to go persecute the church of Jesus Christ. He, dis- he decided to take it upon himself to be this righteous, indignant person. And I'm going to go make sure that this gospel is stamped out. That the way is what it was called. is just, just no more. And so he got letters of arrest, warrants for arrest, and he decided to go door to door with soldiers and, and arrest all these people, throw them in prison, prison and persecute them and even have some killed. And this was the, this guy, Saul, a murderer, basically. And so one day as he's going towards Damascus to, to keep this going, you know, to arrest some people, to, you know, try to bring order to God's house as he saw it, something happened. And Jesus himself appeared to him. And he saw a bright, shining, blinding light. And Jesus uh, spoke to him. Now, the other guys who were with him, they didn't see Jesus. They just saw the bright light, but they heard Jesus' words. And Jesus said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, who are you, Lord? Like, he, he, he realized, uh, this is God, but he's somebody I don't know. This is not the God I know, but he's God, you know. And he said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. And uh, something happened to Paul that, at that moment. He was changed. And he realized, I've been going about this all wrong. So then you know the story probably of a man named Ananias. Uh, and Jesus told him to go pray for Paul because he, he was blinded during this event. And he would go pray for him and that he would receive his sight. And then he received the ministry of, now he was someone specially sent. He was an apostle to the Gentiles. And we're reading his letter to the Gentiles today, specifically the Galatians. So who are the Galatians? So the Galatia, Galatia was a part of Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. So you're like, oh, it's like the Middle East. So that Middle Eastern country of Turkey, this is who the people Paul was writing this letter to. And so he made travels all around that region. He had an itinerant ministry of preaching the gospel to all these heathen people who never heard of God or, or the God of the Bible, or they had no concept of Judaism or any of that stuff. So Paul, that was his mission, to go to these people and to preach Jesus. And they received him, and he established churches in all these different areas, right? Uh, but something happened in this specific church that the gospel started getting distorted. It was actually some, some probably uh, Jewish believers that went to them and said, uh, you can't have faith in Jesus Christ alone. You have to follow Jewish traditions. Because Paul preached that by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift of God. It's not of, of yourselves. It's not anything you can do. It's just through faith. And these people were saying, no, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to follow all of our feasts. You have to you know, do this, this, and that. And so th- it was bringing them back into condemnation. It was bringing them into this religious spirit, this legalism. Uh, and Paul heard about it because he was gone by this point. And he's like, uh, no, no, this isn't going to stand. I've got to write this letter to get things straightened out. And so that's where we are today. And we're going to read this first chapter together. 
and see what it has to say to us. So Galatians chapter 1, let's read. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For I am now seeking the approval of man or of God. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, or Peter, And remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you, before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for my brother, the Apostle Paul, who heard from heaven and who wrote down these words that it can impact our lives today and change our hearts today. Father, I just pray for hearing ears today, open hearts before you, that these words would pierce the darkness, remove uh, the, the, the roots of bitterness and remove the, the roots of sin in our lives and just make us clean before you. Thank you, Lord, for these words. I ask for your anointing for us to hear and for me to speak today in Jesus' name. Amen. So so this sermon is, is freedom. The theme of Galatians is freedom in Christ through faith. But if I were to name this one chapter, the very first chapter, I, I would title it The Power of the Gospel. The Power of the Gospel. 
So let's kind of just briefly go through some of this first chapter and just see what it has to say about us. And the first thing, I like how Paul opens most of his letters in boldness, saying who he is and what God has called him to. He always says, I'm an apostle. I'm somebody who's sent to you by the grace of God. I used to be another man, but now God has a purpose for my life. To the glory, and he always says, to the glory of Jesus, to the glory of the Father. He's always giving glory to God. But that speaks to me saying that, you know, that God always has a plan. He always has a purpose and a calling for you. I don't care what situation you're in or, or who you used to be or what troubles that you're facing or the dire circumstances. Do you know that God has a calling for you? Even like Paul said, in what verse was this? Verse 15. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, he was pleased to reveal his son in me in order that I might preach Jesus among the Gentiles. Before you were born, God had a plan for you. He had a purpose. He had a calling. And did you know that you're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, I don't have credentials. I, I'm not a pastor or a teacher or whatnot. You are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Minister means servant. So you, are you a servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yeah. Are you supposed to then serve that gospel to all those around you? That good news? then you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Could I challenge you to grab hold of that today? That in your mind and in your heart, start to see yourself as the Apostle Paul saw himself. I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was an apostle, which just means special messenger or sent one. And in a sense, you are an apostle because you're sent to all those around you, right? It's a small scale, maybe for some of us, some of us larger scales, but you're sent to somebody, so you have an apostolic ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has a plan for you. He's always had a plan for you, and it's your job to find it out. There's a, a, a great healing evangelist called Oral Roberts. He's now gone on to be with, uh, with the Lord right now. Uh, but through the 50s and 60s and 70s, he used to have great healing tent revivals. And he personally laid hands on over a million people for healing. He saw hundreds of thousands of people healed under his ministry. He also founded Oral Roberts University. You know, go figure, it's his name. It's a great university. Uh, I remember I used to watch... Uh, Videos, I think it was God's Generals series. There was a book and a video series of God's Generals from Robert Slairdon. I believe it was in the late 80s that it was packaged together. And I remember seeing Oral Roberts, and uh, many men and women of God were included in this series, like Smith Wigglesworth and just uh, lots of different people. But the Oral Roberts section, I remember specifically, and I remember there was you know, black and white footage of his tent meetings from the late 50s. And, I mean, you can, you can watch it right now. It's probably on YouTube somewhere, I would imagine. I remember seeing uh, a little boy with crippled, gnarled legs with kind of like Forrest Gump, like, you know, 
braces, you know, and, and he, could, he, could only, he had crutches and he could only walk with these braces. And his legs were crippled. He was lame. And I remember him, you know, you could watch it just like you're sitting here. And he'd walked up in this healing line and Oral Roberts laid his hands on him and prayed. And those legs, they took those braces off and he, they were straightened out and he's running around. And you saw this. You can watch it on the video. I saw another one where uh, I can't remember if it was a little boy or what it was, who the person was, but I remember they had like really crooked eyes. And uh, so this per- Oral Roberts is sitting behind the person and this person was facing out towards the camera prayed for him, had his hand on top of his head, and you can see the eye go straight. And they're praising the Lord. I mean, you can just see over and over and over of actual recorded healings, and you can watch right now. But God always has that plan. And one of the things that I remember Oral Roberts saying, he said this to one of his students at Oral Roberts University. I remember hearing the message years and years ago. He had three points to this. He said, if you want to be successful with God, there's three things that you can, you can focus on. And it's related to Galatians 1. He said, number one, find out the will of God. That's kind of self-evident, isn't it? The most important thing in our lives, find out the will of God. Then the second thing, and he, and he took this out of verse right here. Uh, it is verse 16. He said, confer no longer with flesh and blood. So, And that was the King James Version of it. Paul said it this way in Galatians 1. Once he received the vision, the, the revelation of Jesus, of the gospel from Jesus himself, he said, I did not immediately consult with anyone. So number one, you find out the will of God. Number two, you don't, once you find out the will of God, you don't confer any longer with flesh and blood. And number three was you get it done at any cost. And we see that evident in the Apostle Paul's life. He got it done. He was shipwrecked, stoned, beaten, imprisoned, persecuted in more ways you can imagine. But he got the job done. He ran his race and he finished his course victoriously. Wow. But that, that second point I think is, is really important too. Once you find out God's will, God's plan for your life, you've got to take it for yourself and you've got to go. You can't continually be trying to ask everyone's opinion on what your calling is. That you do on the first step, finding out the will of God. But once you hear from heaven, you've got to say, this is who I am, and you've got to then go get it done. That's the power of the gospel. That's God's plan for each and every one of us. So God always has a plan. The second point that we can get from this passage is that the truth is always under attack. Wow. Paul said he was so astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And then he says, not that there is a different gospel. There's not. But there are people who are coming in who are trying to put these rules and regulations and saying, you've got to do all these things to, to have salvation. Don't we even see that today? You know, this passage 
from verse 6 through verse 10 basically nullifies Mormonism. <laughs> Think about that. All they had to do is read Galatians 6 through 10 and uh, this isn't right. <laughs> Something's not matching up. If, if he, Paul said, if anyone, including myself or even an angel from heaven, were to come down and preach a different gospel, let him be accursed. Wow. And that's pretty obvious to see in a religion like Mormonism when that's literally what happened. An angel came down and preached a different gospel to somebody. I mean, that's cut and dry. I mean, that's, I mean, that's pretty easy. But what about a whole bunch of other stuff in our lives? The other lies that we believe. The other things, as Pastor spoke on the video, that are keeping us in bondage. My wife has counseled many, many women over the years, and she can tell you stories. You know, she won't, you know, because most of it's confidential. But she could tell you stories of how, and, and even other women have testified how uh, they were held in bondage by so many things. Many of them were lies. Amen. Many of them were lies that somebody either told them or they believed about themselves or whatever. But these lies held them in bondage. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but what about all the different denominations? Think of the hundreds of denominations and belief systems just in Christianity alone, not even to mention other religions. Did you ever just stop and think they can't all be right? Like, <laughs> you know, everyone's so zealous and so like, you know, on fire about whatever belief system that they have. But they're not only ones really the truth, right? But there's hundreds and hundreds of different belief structures. And how many times have you been so zealous about something, so adamant, so like, you know, stubborn about this was the truth, whatever it was. It could be religious. It could be, you know, just a fact that you thought you knew, only to find out, oh, man, (laughs) I was wrong. Oh, it's so embarrassing. It's so humbling, right? Most of the time, then you even get more. Sometimes you double down, you know. You're like, no, no, you know. And then you're like, oh, I was really wrong, you know. I, I just, that's happened to me so many times, it's not even funny. And it's really embarrassing if you think about it, you know. How just, you know, uh, actually there's a proverb that says, to have zeal without knowledge, you're really a fool, <laughs> you know. We get so zealous about whatever it is, when we really don't have all the information, and really we're just being foolish, and actually, we probably damage a lot of people in the way when we act like that. But there's really only one truth. There's one gospel, and that's Jesus Christ. And I remember one other quick story along these lines. is uh, I was raised in the church, raised in the Assemblies of God. I believe, you know, what we preach today. And, uh, you know, very comfortable with that. But when I became a man, I was married, had a little child. And actually, I was 19 years old at the time. And uh, I remember we visited some relatives of Monica's, my wife. And this, this man was, one of her uncles, was a minister in a certain denomination, okay? He was a pastor. Very seasoned, you know? He was well, I think he was like in, probably in his 70s at the time, you know? So he had ministered for many, many, many years. But this particular denomination, I won't mention the name of it, but it basically believed that 
Everything in the Bible was completed. It wasn't for today. You'd be surprised how many denominations, even to an extent, believe that very thing. That some of this really doesn't apply to us today. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you believe some of that. So he was arguing, you know, hey, this is healing's not for today. In fact, you don't even know if you can go to heaven. You're, you're basically crossing your fingers when you die, and hopefully you did good enough, you know. There's obviously no Holy Spirit for today. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you know, things that were directly contradicting everything I believed in my whole life, everything that my pastors taught me, everything that my parents taught me. Because up until that point, I was living my parents' faith. I was living my pastor's faith. But now I was confronted personally as a man with contradictory information. And I was at a crossroads, and he gave me this book that outlined all the doctrinal points that basically contradict all the New Testament. And so I was like, boy, you know, his argument kind of seemed pretty compelling, but it, I don't know about it. So I was at a crossroads, and I, uh, I'm like, what is the truth? And so I, I read through this book, and, you know, it, it basically was making this point. You just never know with God. You just, you know, hopefully, you know, who knows? And so I decided, well, there's only one truth that I actually know of, and it's the Bible itself, right? So, and at this point, I had not read the Bible too much in my life, you know, just here and there in Sunday school and, you know, whatnot. And you remember there's a few scriptures. But I decided I'm going to have to read this Bible for myself because that was what I was taught. One thing my dad taught me was just you got to read it for yourself. So finally, I was at a time I had to do it. So I opened up the Bible, started in Matthew, read the New Testament, and this was my only bias. My only bias, because I didn't know what was right, what was wrong, my only bias was, Lord, I have an open heart before you. Reveal your truth to me through your word. And whatever you say, that's what I'm going to believe. And so I read through it for myself. Oh, I, I found out, wow, Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. <laughs> and I noticed like he, they made arguments of, well, you know, the Holy Spirit's not for today. It, it died out with the apostles. And they had good arguments. But I noticed that there were no scriptures that actually backed up their arguments. There were only scriptures that said, desire the greater gifts. There were only scriptures that said covet to prophesy and, and things like that, you know. And the assurance of having salvation, the assurance that we're going to have. So many, so many things that just reinforced actually what I had been taught growing up. Found out, yeah, they were right. That's what, actually what we're teaching today in this church. Some people call it the full gospel. Because if it's in here, we're going to believe it and we're going to do it. And that's just the bottom line. No matter what anybody says, no matter what other denominations try to come against us and say, you know, it's like people who say healing's not for today. You're too late. I've already been healed. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. Like, you, you can have that argument because I've already been healed of multiple things. I can tell you my testimony. Or that you can't be free from bondage from sin. Well, too late. God's removed it from me already. Like, you should argue, you know, back before I was 19, you could maybe convince me, but now that I've read this for myself, too late. But the truth is always under attack, so we have to be on guard in our own lives. And you're responsible. 
Sandra, you're responsible for you. When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, he's not going to say, oh, what did Pastor Carlos um, do for you? And how did you know, Pastor Laura help you? No, he's going to say, Sandra, what did you do with the things I told you to do? And you're going to say, <laughs> you know. You, there you go. We want, we want God to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, right? Not, well, you're done. Right? We want to hear, well done. So we have to be on guard for distortions of the gospel. And if the Galatians 2,000 years ago were battling with that, and then Paul had to write them a letter to correct it, inspired by the Holy Ghost, and that same letter we're reading today, that means the gospel's under attack today. That our thinking can be distorted. That we can get into religious ruts and get into bondage and wrong thinking and wrong speaking and wrong believing, even today. So guard yourself against that. Not only, even, even one step further on this point of the gospel itself. So many of us, uh, even certain denominations, you know, we think, when we think, what is the gospel, right? We say gospel hundreds and hundreds of times. What is the gospel? Preaching the gospel, right? And most of it, you know, we kind of think it's the cross of Jesus Christ. That's true. You know, I'm not denying that at all. Christ crucified. But we leave it at that. But let's, let me just elaborate a little bit more on this point. What is the gospel of the kingdom of God? Is it just that Jesus was crucified and rose again? That's, you know, when we preach that the, Jesus died for your sins, that's the gospel. But what is the, what, what really is the gospel? Can I challenge you with this? Here's, a, here's an idea. Jesus preached the gospel. How did he preach the das- gospel before he died? How did he preach the, Jesus preached the gospel. How did he preach the da- gospel before he even died on the cross? What was he preaching? What is the gospel? Let me read it to you. If you want to know, what the gospel is, we got to find out what Jesus preached and what then the apostles or disciples preached while Jesus was still on the earth. When he sent them out, he told them, preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and heal the sick. And they did that temporarily under Jesus' authority of his message. So what did he preach? Luke chapter 4. Let's read this. So Jesus went back to his hometown of Nazareth and he stood in the synagogue on the Sabbath, which was his custom. So he, Jesus must have had a custom of reading the scriptures as he was growing up. So they knew who he was. This is the hometown boy coming back from Capernaum where he set up his ministry office in his own house. And he went back home and he stood in front of his relatives and his neighbors. And he stood up in Luke 4, 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And this is Isaiah 61. So you can go read it yourself if you want to. And this is what it said. This is what Jesus said, the words of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives 
and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We also know that he called that message the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now do you kind of understand why when Jesus said, tell them the kingdom of God is near, is right here, is at hand, it's tangible, you can experience it. Well, what did that mean in reality? That you don't have to be poor anymore? That you don't have to be bound up anymore or held captive? That you don't have to be blind? That you don't have to be oppressed? And that you can live under the Lord's favor? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. That is the kingdom of heaven in a nutshell. As Pastor talked about on his video, that's freedom. We're called to freedom, free from all oppression, free from sin and all that sin has brought into this world. That is very profound. You can think on that this week. Study that. What has, here's a question that you can study for yourself. What has sin brought into this world and the effects of sin? And through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are free from sin, the law of sin and death. That's powerful. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you know, the cross is the act. If you look at the cross, that's the gateway on how we all have access to that kingdom. And it's not a kingdom that we're going to establish here on the earth. So maybe you've heard of victorious eschatology or kingdom now teaching to where we as a church are going to just can progressively build the kingdom of God until it actually takes place here on earth? That's false. You know why? Because Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. It's not in politics. We're not going to just suddenly somehow make this whole world a Christian world with Christian government. There's one person who will do that when he sets foot on this planet again, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? But as we are here now, the kingdom of God is within us. And it's righteousness, it's peace, it's joy in the Holy Ghost. And we minister out of our, our hearts and what God has done within us to those around us, spreading that light and spreading that gospel to those around us. And that's the message of the kingdom. So Jesus exemplified what the kingdom of God is. If you really want a perfect picture of heaven, of God's will, you look at Jesus. He's the example. And then he facilitated it through that right there and through his resurrection so that all can participate in it. And then the whole rest of the New Testament, the letters to the churches, are how we live in that every day how we experience that gospel, how we grow in it, mature in it, become adult Christians, and have victory in every area of our lives by implementing the Word of God. But we have to guard against the attacks against the gospel. Okay, so we know, number one, God always has a plan. It's His perfect will that we're seeking for our lives and His calling for our lives. Number two, that the truth is always going to be under attack, so we always have to guard against that, and we always have to be seeking and searching for the truth in our lives. 
And then the third point of this passage, I believe, we could say that the gospel is the power of God. We look at Paul. A murderer once named Saul, following actually the devil, deceivingly. (laughs) And yet, because of the power of the gospel of God, he's changed into another man. The gospel did that. Maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe there's, there's lies in your head, wounds in your heart. Maybe you more identify with Saul than Paul. But do you know there's an answer for that? And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it has the power of God to take you from this over here, just like DJ testified this morning, and to put you over here, a new person, a new man. How many people here today could testify that you're not the same person that you once were? I'd like to see your hands. Everyone, look around. Look at the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ just with this group of people right here. I can relate to what DJ used to say. Even though I, was, I became a Christian at four years of age, my dad led me to the Lord on a Sunday night, Sunday night service. Back in those days, Sunday night services in the Sims of God at least, we always had like gospel singers come in. I don't know what it was. You know, always like a mini concert, you know, on a Sunday night. It was more evangelistic in those days on a Sunday night. Uh, and then, you know, they'd give altar calls. And you'd see lots of people get saved on a Sunday night through this gospel singer. And I remember that time. Big John Hall was his name. You can listen. I still have his records. Real deep voice, real big guy. His name was Big, big John Hall. If you watch some of the Gaither videos where all the people are, you know, they're singing on all those videos, he's in the old ones, he's in there. Anyway, so I remember my dad was doing the sound that night. I was sitting in the back row, you know, kind of where Brother Mark is. My dad was in the sound booth. And during the altar call, my dad came right down, sat next to me. I was four years old. And he said, you know, as the altar call was going up here, he said, do you want to receive Jesus into your heart? And I looked at him, and in the, in the profundity... You might say, I comprehended it. I comprehended the gospel of Jesus Christ at four years old. And I said, yeah, I want Jesus in my heart. And I think it's probably, I, I probably understood it because actually what had happened to me, uh, I was abused. Actually, and that's part of what I found out um, this past year, some different things. But I think because of what had happened to me that I was able to face that idea of brokenness and sin at four years old, which a four-year-old shouldn't have to face something like that. But isn't God good that, my goodness, he reached right down and called my name. And my daddy led me to the Lord. And I'll never forget that. But it changed my heart and set my life on a course to follow after the Lord. And even though many times I would try to get off track, the Lord was faithful to reel me back in. And through the trials and the struggles and the, and the pain and the brokenness that comes over the years, the power of the gospel was still enough to bring me back to be where I am today. I'm so thankful to the Lord. That's the power of Jesus Christ and His gospel. It transformed Paul from a murderer into an ambassador. And that's why there's hope for your family. That's why there's hope for your neighbors. That's why there's hope for death row inmates and child molesters and 
dictators and, and Islamic terrorists. There's hope because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For some reason, God thought it would be good to put His power within a message and require us to share that message. It's foolishness to the world. But let me read just a couple of scriptures. Romans 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then in 1 Corinthians 1, 18. For the word of the cross, or the gospel, is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It'll change lives. It'll rescue those who are seemingly unrescuable. Those who are in the deepest, darkest hole, it'll bring them out. You know what our problem, I think, has been many times? We've stopped preaching the gospel. You see, the gospel needs to be preached. And that's where we've missed it. It must be preached and it must be demonstrated. Jesus didn't just go heal people. Jesus' ministry consisted of three things. Preaching, teaching, and healing. He went about preaching, teaching, and healing. And then another place, uh, it, it talks about the multitudes. It says, they came to hear and to be healed. There were a, a few situations, the minority of situations, that Jesus... On his own, you might say, without any further warning or any other conversation, came up to people and maybe raised them from the dead or brought an instantaneous healing without any other communication. I can think of just a few off the top of my head. But the majority of his ministry, people were healed by the preaching and teaching, hearing the preaching and teaching, the gospel. And it changed their lives. And so we, we pray, right? We pray, God, go heal. Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, you know, go heal them, Lord. Send your spirit and heal them. Is there a scripture that says send your spirit to heal? No. Are there scriptures that say lay hands on the sick and you'll see them recover? Yes. Think about it. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So as Jesus ministered, what did he do? He laid hands on people. He preached the gospel to people. Well, who's Jesus' mouthpiece in the world today? Us. Who's Jesus' hands in the world today? Us. We're always praying, Lord, go do this. Lord, go do that. But what did Jesus teach us to pray? Send laborers into the harvest field. Send people with hands and with voices to go preach, to go grab hold of someone who's in the miry clay, who's in the, the pig slop, like the prodigal son. Go get in there with them. Put your arms around them and lift them up with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the light of the Lord. With the healing hands of Jesus. Because the gospel is the power of God. 
I didn't mention this in this service, but in the uh, first service we mentioned the prayer focus for this month. One of them is the country of North Korea. So we pray for, oh, Lord, save North Korea. You know, what do we pray for North Korea? Let me read another scripture. Paul in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I mean, that's correct, right? Isn't that our, that's our hope for everyone. That's our belief that no matter who you are, if you call on the name of the Lord, you can be saved. We believe that. No matter what you've done, you can be saved, right? And so our prayer for North Korea, Lord, would they just call on your name? Would they be just saved, Lord? Would they call on the name of Jesus? Do we pray that many times? I mean, that's our desire, right? But let's kind of go on to see what Paul says. This is almost like a rebuke from what I just prayed. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Smacked me across the face. What? (laughs) You're saying that they want to call on Jesus. Well, how can they call on Jesus if they haven't believed in Jesus? And how can they believe in Jesus if they've never heard about him? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how can they preach unless they are sent? And that goes back to our first point, our, the calling that God has for us. You know who the answer to North Korea is? You, me, all of our brothers and sisters on the mission field to go in there? That's the answer. The preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's going to save North Korea. President Trump isn't going to save North Korea. Congress or the military is not going to save North Korea. The light of the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to save North Korea. Prayers will help get us there. Jesus said, pray to the Lord of harvest that he will send laborers into the harvest. So prayer is important to help tear down those walls and to get people in there. But without the preaching of the gospel, not one life will be saved in North Korea, or in your life, or in your family, or neighborhood. We must live the gospel, and we must preach the gospel. What does it mean to live the gospel? Well, let's go back to Luke 4, and this is in closing here. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's our, that should be our lives. To the drug addict, to the poor, to the abused, to the homeless, to the beaten, Our lives need to be in contact with those people in some way. To have a relationship. To be Jesus to that person. So that then we can proclaim the gospel. And the power of our own testimony on how that gospel has changed our lives. 
And then they'll see, yeah, the gospel changes lives. So that's the first chapter of Galatians. More to come. But I challenge you this week as you join the rock groups and you dig deeper into this chapter, discuss some of these things. How, how you can preach the gospel. How you can understand it more. What it means to you. How you can be free because of the gospel in your life. Maybe you're bound right now. Maybe you're broken. Maybe you need a touch of that anointing that Jesus was anointed with. Maybe God's been dealing with you and calling you out to a ministry, and maybe you haven't answered that call yet. But you know He's still calling you? Discuss it this week in that group. Let's pray together today. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for Your Word. I pray that this Word would make us clean today. It would change our mind, renew our hearts, Father, I pray that each one of us would take upon that calling today to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That anointing that you anointed Jesus with, Father, may it be evident in our lives to remove the burdens from off of our shoulders and the yokes from off of our necks and that those yokes of oppression would be destroyed because of that anointing today. Father, I pray that we would have a, a more clear understanding of the gospel of Jesus. That it encompasses all aspects of our physical lives. That we are free from all the wages of sin and death. Father, I pray that we would pray for our enemies to hear the gospel. That you would open up doors in our families and in our communities to preach and to live that they would not only hear the gospel from our lips, but see it evident in our lives of our own freedom, of our own victories, of our own steadfastness and perseverance through all persecution and trials and tribulations. Father, I just pray that we would respond to you today to leave our dead ways and to turn towards you. And as we continue to pray, Maybe you've never committed yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you identify with Saul today. And you see today, almost like a blinding light, that Jesus is the one true Lord of all. And he died upon this cross and took upon your sin and your shame and your punishment so that you don't have to go to hell anymore. And you don't have to live under the bondage of the devil anymore. And today you'd like to respond. And say, yes, Lord Jesus, who are you? I want you. I want you to be my Lord. With all eyes closed and all heads bowed, if that's you today that you want to respond to the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, would you raise your hand right now so I can pray with you? If you want to make a commitment to Jesus Christ as your Lord, I see those hands today. Thank you. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you would believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Because with the heart you're going to believe unto righteousness or being right with God. And with your mouth, your confession is made unto your salvation. 
Let's pray for our, our new brothers and sisters today. Heavenly Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters who have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus today and that they are saved, that they are changed into a new man, changed into a new woman, called by your name, that that calling that you called them with from before they came out from their mother's womb is made alive to them today, that you have a plan for them and a purpose for them. You've called them by name, and you've set them today on the road of righteousness. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Now in your own way, say, Jesus, you are my Lord. I believe you have raised from the dead. Thank you for saving me today. Maybe today you're responding to that call of being a minister of the gospel. I want to open up the altars to that call today. Maybe you've been wrestling with the Lord, saying, I don't know what I'm called to, Lord. Or, or, or that calling that you're saying to me is too, too much. But if you would respond to the Lord today and come to the altar, I want to pray with you. And our team would want to pray with you to release that calling of ministry in your life today. You are a minister of the gospel. So please come forward. We're going to pray with you. For everyone else, be blessed. Go in the power and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go be a winner in Him. Live the gospel. Preach the gospel. And come back next week for chapter 2. In Jesus' name. I have decided to follow Jesus.